You know, usually I like the red Kit Kat, but this mm. time around, this year, I don't think I'm interested. Yeah, I'm not too interested in the blue Almond Joy either. So you wanna, you wanna just uh, switch? Oh, sure. Good, thanks. Thanks. We're friends. We're friends. And now I'm happy. Me too. have um, this red mm. seltzer or this blue Pepsi. Mm. The blue. You're, yeah. yeah okay, good, because I don't want that. <laughs> this. Welcome to another episode <laughs> of Together for Salem. I'm Monica, this is Liz. We are Cross Creek Community Church and we are a church for people who don't normally go to church. That's right. And if you're watching this for the first time or you've never told us you're watching, head over to our website, yourcrosscreek.com slash welcome and fill out the welcome form. There's a few things you can do on that form. You can let us know you're here and we'll send you a free e-gift card just for saying hello. You can request a free Bible. Um, we have some for sale and encouragement cards uh, that we can mail to you if you're interested in those. But the form is a great way just to say hello, get a conversation started. There's no strings attached. It's just one way to let us know you're here. Perfect. Yep. Let's jump into part three of Faith That Works. So, how you doing? This election, right? Right now, as we're filming, it is Wednesday, November 4th. So I have no idea what has happened uh, since between now and when this releases, but how are you doing? I know probably some people are frustrated with how the election is going or went. Um, maybe you're, you're happy right now that you, you got your win. Maybe you're scared that you didn't get your win. Maybe you're like, how is this still not over yet. There, however the election goes and whatever happens, I think we've seen, it's kind of, it's almost like overstated that there's some division right now. There's some division in this country. And maybe something we haven't really thought through is that honestly, this division comes from good motives. It comes from good motives on both sides, if you're willing to admit that. See, we are passionate about what we think will make people happy. We're passionate about what we think will make us happy, but also what we think will be good for our country, for our family, for our communities. We all have the same goal. We just have kind of different ways of getting there. And that I think is also true, not just nationally, but also personally and, and, and relationally. See, if we just, or if they just saw the world the way I see it, Right? If they just wanted the good that I want, if they only knew what I know, if they could only see the truth, well, then they'd agree with me, but they don't. And so there's this, this division. See, the thing is, we think we know what will make us and everyone else happy. We think we know what will make us and everyone else happy. Unfortunately, this mindset, these good motives creates hostility, right? If your version conflicts with my, my version of reality, then we're against each other. 
oh, they, and it's always they, it's never specific, but they are actively trying to do the opposite of what I think will bring happiness for everyone else. So they need to be stopped. It also brings fear, uncertainty, right? What if I don't get what I think is best for myself, for my family, for the country, for uh, our relationship? So what do we do with this? There's these good motives that we don't want to just squash, that you know we want to make people happy. We want to find the best happiness for everybody, but it's bringing division. How can we actually find happiness when the world just wants to fight? And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Now, the answer is actually, if you think about it, pretty illogical. And so as you're watching, you're going to want to do two things. Well, you might want to do three things. Don't turn off this episode. One thing you might want to do is argue with me. That's okay. You can pause this and yell anything you want at the screen because I can't hear you. And even if I could, I wouldn't be offended because really what we're going to talk about, they're not my ideas and that's okay. You can, you can argue with this, but I challenge you to explore why you want to argue with what we're going to talk about. And the other thing you might want to do is just kind of dismiss what we talk about because this really, you know, it doesn't apply to you. It applies to them, capital T-H-E-M. This applies to them. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you in this episode. So I invite you to keep your mind open. And you know, if we really want to try something different than just this cycle, this never ending cycle of hostility and fear, I think there's a better solution. It might be illogical, but I think there's a better solution than what we've been doing. We say we want to be part of this solution. We want to solve this problem. I think what we're going to talk about right now, we can actually do that. We can prove that we want to be part of the solution by keeping an open mind to this. And here's what we're going to see in this episode. If we want to be happy, we need to choose to make ourselves second. If we actually want to be happy, we need to choose to make ourselves second. And where we we are going to be talking about this is what we call the book of James. It's It's an ancient letter, probably the first New Testament letter written probably around 45 AD, written by James, the little brother of Jesus. And here's what he says. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with a humility that comes from wisdom. And so James is saying, oh, you're wise. You are wise. Because remember, if you watch the other episodes, we've talked about wisdom and how wisdom makes us happy. He's saying, so if you're wise, right, if you do know what we should do to make us happy. You know what everyone else should do to be happy. Prove it. James loves saying, prove it by a life that is saturated by humility. You think you're wise? Well, then prove it by your humility. And humility is just this, that others are more important than you. Living in such a way that others are more important than you. This idea of humility, of being humble, so stupid in the Greco-Roman culture that James is writing in. See, in that culture, if you're, if you're humble and you kind of let others go first, you're weak. You're pathetic, right? That was what the slaves had to do. In their culture, might made right. The strong don't let people push them around. If they're strong, this is Rome, right? You are strong. You know what's best. You control the world. You conquer the world. And people stand up to you, you, you push them down. That was the culture James is writing to. But see, Jesus changed all that. Jesus made humility one of the highest virtues. If you think about it, without humility, 
You don't have love. You don't have patience. You don't have goodness. None of those can happen unless you actually put others' needs in front of yours. See, for Jesus, humility wasn't weakness. Humility was strength under control. Humility is using your strength for the good of others, just like Jesus did. If Jesus really was God like he said he was, and I think proved he was by predicting his death and then and resurrection and then pulling it off, he used that strength not to control the world and control others and uh, subvert others, but to serve others. Humility is strength under, under control for the doing what's best for others. And this idea is so counterintuitive, right? That wisdom produces humility. Often we think, you know, well, wisdom means I know all these things and that's knowledge. That's not wisdom. Knowledge is it's pride, right? Knowledge says, well, I know so much. I know what's right. If they only knew what I knew, well, then they would obviously think the way I think. But wisdom that is humble, true wisdom, says, look, I, I do know some things. I know this stuff, but I also know there's a lot I don't know. And so I want to know what I don't know. I'm willing to admit maybe I'm wrong in some areas. Maybe I don't know everything. And so you're probably saying, because you're good people, oh yeah, that's totally me, right? I am so wise and humble. <laughs> Maybe you're not, but let's see. If you're wise and humble, let's, let's see. See, here's what James says. He says, the wisdom from above, the, the wisdom of God that makes us happy, the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving. Think about how we've been acting during this election season. It's peace-loving, gentle at all times, Check this out. And willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. What James is saying is we are happiest when we prioritize others above ourselves. We are happiest when we prioritize others above ourselves. Which I totally get. The common response to this this idea of wisdom being peace-loving, gentle at all times, sounds almost exaggerated, willing to yield to others. It's like, okay, that's, that's really a nice ideal that we can't really live up to, but it's good to like kind of try to get there, right? It's a good goal that we probably will never reach. It's a nice ideal, but are you kidding me? Like yield to others? Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about them. I'm supposed to yield to, to them, whether that's in your relationships or maybe even in your national political thinking. Doesn't that mean, John, that I'm going to get walked all over? Like, doesn't that mean I might have my rights taken away from me? Like, you know what will happen, right? They will win either this argument or this, this whole uh, society. I mean, like, what about me? If I'm always for them, what about me? Who's, how am I going to be happy? If I don't look out for me, if I don't look out for number one, who will? And I totally understand that. Right? That's human nature to want to take care of ourselves. It's survival of the fittest, right? But James says, that's the problem. Here's what he says. What's causing quarrels? What, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Why are you guys at each other so much? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Why does the world feel like it's falling apart? Because everyone wants what they think will make them, and they think others, happy. Everyone wants what they think will make them happy, right? That's, that's common, that's normal, but 
not everyone else agrees and not everyone else wants what they think will make the other person happy. And so we start killing to get what we think will make us happy. And you're like, again, he's exaggerating. I have never killed anybody. You probably haven't killed anybody. But have you ever killed a relationship over what you think is right? Have you ever killed a relationship to get what you think will make you happy? Have you ever killed a relationship by telling somebody what you think will make them happy and not relenting in that? You've killed relationships, haven't you, over this? You ever had hatred for somebody, hatred in your heart, hatred for somebody of a different political persuasion? Jesus said that's the same as murdering them. See, we all have this idea, we all go through this of saying, you know, what I want, in whatever form, whatever that is, what I want is more important than you. I am willing to ultimately kill this relationship for what I want. It's the basis of what we call sin, right? What I want is more important than you. We put our wants over others. But what James is saying is that we cannot fight our way to happiness. Have you ever been in an argument and become happy because you won that argument? Ultimately, we can't fight our way to happiness. It just ends in chaos and division. Yeah, but John, I get it. But John, if I don't stand up and fight, who will? Like if I don't fight for myself, who will? And so I want to answer that question with another question. Who are you depending on? Who are you depending on? Here's what James says. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You think you have to fight for it. And even when you do ask, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want what you want. See, we fight. We fight for ourselves and our rights and all these things because we think it's all on us. We think if we don't fight for it, who will? We don't depend on God to take care of us. See, and when we think we are relying on God because we're good religious people and we, we pray to God for what we want, what we usually do is just tell God what we think is best for us by praying for only what we want and praying for only our needs. God, help me win. Make, make them see that they are wrong and I am right. Give me, give me what, I, what, I need, what I think I need, what I want right now. But think about it. Fighting for our own way, only praying for our needs, praying for our way, praying against others, which is something Jesus didn't really talk about, praying against people. Or anxiously trying to change people's minds, always being worried about the fact that we might lose. Does that create happiness? Does that create happiness that lasts? No, right? It's exhausting. It creates anxiety. It makes us easily agitated and so easy to set off and angry. So what's the solution? Well, we find happiness when we humbly depend on God. We find happiness when we humbly depend on God. Here's what James says. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourself before the Lord and then rely on him to lift you up. See, humble yourselves. We aren't the center of the world. What we want might not always be right. We don't always know what's best for ourselves or others. So we need to see who we really are, that we are completely dependent on God for everything. We can't control our lives. We need to be dependent on God for what he knows we need. See, otherwise, if we're not depending on God, 
We have no choice but to fight for our wants. No choice but to fight for our rights, for our preferences. So we can constantly fight and just have a life of, of conflict and, and anger and anxiety. Or we can choose to humbly admit that we don't have control. And we can choose to trust and depend on God who is in control. It's our choice. And when we pray, we can choose to allow God to redirect our hearts to know, to redirect our hearts to want what he knows is best. See, we can pray for what we want, but we can also say, but not my will, God, yours be done. Change my heart to your heart. Here's what I want. But if that's not what you want for me, please change it and let me see things through your eyes. And you might still be asking, I don't know why you're so combative. It's probably the election. But John, what about them walking all over me? To which I, I need to just give you Jesus' answer. Here's what Jesus said. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, right? We want justice. It needs to be fair. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. Yeah, but if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Now check this out. These are, he's talking to Jewish people under oppressive Roman rule. They had no rights. He says, if a soldier, if a Roman soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. (laughs) See, here's what Jesus is saying. It's hard to be walked on when you choose the high road. It's hard to be walked on when you choose the high road. Oh, okay, soldier or whoever, you think you can force me to go a mile? Watch this. I'm going to choose to go two miles. See, when you do that, when you take the high road, you take the power they think they have over you and you turn it on its head. They're not forcing you to do that. You're choosing to do it above and beyond. See, it takes more strength to be humble than to fight. It actually takes more strength to be humble and go above and beyond than to fight it. That's why so few people choose the humble route because it's so much harder. Now, Jesus isn't saying, and I'm not saying not to defend the weak. In fact, he said defend the weak. I'm not saying don't stand up to evil. But think about like think about our current uh, political situation, whatever that is when you're watching this. We might say, well, what about our country? If we don't stand up, what about our country? To which I would say, yes, do what you can to promote peace. Do what you can to promote godly justice, not vengeance, not eye for an eye, but godly justice. But when the votes are counted, whether that's happened yet or not, when the votes are counted, whether we win or lose, whatever side you're on, we have to ask this question. Is our dependence on America for a happiness? Is our dependence on a politician for a happiness? Or is our dependence on God? Is our dependence on ourselves? If I don't make myself happy, who will? Or is our dependence on God? Who are you depending on? And then James gives us a practical way to be part of the solution, to help end the division. A way to find and promote peace and happiness when the world's falling apart. Here's what he says. It's so simple, but so hard. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. 
So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? See, our job is to obey God's law, meaning the law of love. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Your neighbor that might vote differently than you. Your neighbor that might think this way of happiness is the right way. Our job is to love them. And speaking evil about them, gossiping or complaining or um, maligning or slandering, is choosing that God's law doesn't apply to us. It's saying, oh yeah, you know, that's a good law, but I don't have to love my neighbor. In fact, my neighbor's blah, 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 blah. We don't, that's saying God's law doesn't apply to us. We're above it. But humility is proven. If you think you're humble and wise, humility is proven by how we talk. See, what we say, what comes out of our mouths is proof of who we are. What we say is proof of who we are. So you want to be happy? You want to create peace? You want to be part of the solution? We do that one word at a time. In fact, if you read this whole passage, we've had to kind of jump around a little bit. But if you read back a little bit, James talks about the power of words and the danger that our words can create. But think about it. Our words affect our happiness. Our words affect our happiness. Have you ever met somebody who's a happy gossip? Or an arguer that is just so happy and peaceful in life? Or have you met somebody who's, who's an insistent know-it-all and just is the happiest person? Or a happy complainer? No. Our words affect our happiness. So we need to watch our words. And they affect not just our happiness, but the happiness of others. And here's a little side note. If whatever is going on in the national politics right now, a little side note for encouragement maybe. Are you worried about the future? Where James, check this out, where James says, He alone, God alone has the power to save or destroy. God's in control. We can relax. He's the one who has the power to save or destroy. We can trust him. So to find happiness when the world's falling apart, what do we do? How can we actually do this? Well, I think from what we've seen with James, our our answer for today is watch our words. We need to watch how we're talking. And so here's three questions we can ask before we speak. And by the way, internet wasn't invented yet, but this applies to what we type also. So three questions before you speak and or type. Question number one, ask God, pray. God, do you want me to say this? Is this coming from you or is this coming from me? Do you want me to say this? Question number two, am I saying this? This is kind of how to answer the question number one. Am I saying this because I want to be right or because I want to show love? Am I saying this because I just want my opinion out there or because I want to show love? And then third question, similar, will my words cultivate peace or conflict? Will these, yeah, maybe I I want to promote love, but will they create conflict or will they create peace? We are to be peacemakers. So those three questions, God, do you want me to say this? Am I saying this because I want to be right or because I want to show love? And will my words cultivate peace or conflict? If you call yourself a Jesus follower, I want you to listen to this. See, it's not just about being good, not just about doing the religion and and reading your Bible and all that kind of stuff, important things. But following Jesus also means speaking like Jesus. Our words are powerful. Jesus talked about it. James talks about it. Following Jesus means speaking like Jesus. And we're in a critical moment right now as a nation, 
as a um, as a city, as a church, as a family. We're in a critical moment. Do you want to be part of the solution, or do you want to be part of the problem? We can insist on our own way. We can keep fighting us versus them, but has that ever led to happiness? No, and it never will. See, being willing to yield, refusing to speak evil, and showing that there is another way will not only make you happy, but it will bring happiness to those around you, and it will create peace in your home, where you work, in your neighborhood, and maybe even in our country. See, peace and love win when we choose to make ourselves second. Peace and love win when we choose to make ourselves second. It's counterintuitive, but once you try it, you realize it's true. Wow. Okay. Uh, thanks. Do you want to go? Actually, you should go. No, you I want to be second. You go first. Wait, I'll go first. <laughs> no, we have a giveaway. Oh, let's do that. Gilgamesh Brewing. Is it brewing? Mm -hmm. um, we have a $25 gift card to Gilgamesh this week. And our winner is, drum roll, Kurt L. Kurt L. Yay. Congratulations. Congratulations. We hope you and your wife maybe have a fun dinner date. Be fun. Yeah. They have these really big Bloody Mary towers. If you're interested, you could also get a version of Bloody Mary. That's fun. Yeah, very fun. And a few locations in Salem. So check it out. We'll very link cool. it in the show notes. Very cool. We have something really exciting about this give this week's giveaway. Though. This week's giveaway is us giving it away. So you get to be a part actually of the giveaway, which is really cool. For every comment on any social media post uh, in this next week, we're gonna donate $5 to every child. So this could really add up if you guys do some comments. So we'll put some content out there yep. that's commentable and then mm -hmm. we'll tally the votes, tally your comments, and we're gonna give, we hope, a quite a chunk of money to every yeah. child. And if you don't know about every child. Wait, this is just, this is one social media post or all week long? All week. The social media posts. Yep, Instagram, Facebook. You guys could do some damage here. YouTube vid, That'd maybe be pretty Twitter. Awesome. <laughs> I'll put some things on Twitter so you can comment on those too. We're gonna really tally up some comments. So, Perfect. Uh, every Child yeah. is an organization, it's a nonprofit in Oregon that helps foster kids and families. So amazing. It's great. Awesome. We'll have some information coming out on social media about them too. You can get involved. This is a one small way to get involved, but there are other ways too. So we'll make sure we'll let you know about those things. And that's great. it. Yeah. Episode 34 is a wrap. See you later. Go be peaceful, peacemaking, <laughs> and loving. See you next week.
focus. We need your ideas. Oh, sorry. What do you need? Do they call? Do they call Michigan? I like your sweatshirt. Thank you. Are we recording? That is crazy. Our friendship is almost in middle school. <laughs> <laughs>